Hello, my name is Mark Gibson, and you're listening to the podcast version of the Chagask Signpost series, a weekly webinar that promotes and examines sustainability in Irish farming. Morning, and you're very welcome to this morning's Signpost webinar. My name is Pat Murphy, Head of Environment Knowledge Transfer with Chagask. This series is brought to you in conjunction with the National Rural Network, Food, Drink Ireland, Skillnet, and Dairy Sustainability Ireland. The EPA brought out their uh, uh, Bathing Waters waters report, and it was a a very positive report. But today, I think we'll be dealing with uh, maybe some of the issues behind the uh, uh, Blue Flag Beaches, and in particular, one uh, project, and uh, welcome uh, Owen Kinsler from uh, the Duncana Blue Flag Farming and Community Scheme, uh, located in uh, Duncan and County Wexford. Thanks very much, Pat. Great to be here. Yeah, you might just give us a, a, a little bit of a, an insight into the, the uh, Duncan and Blue Flag uh, Farming and, and uh, Community Scheme. Just what is it and, and what are the aims of it? So the Duncan and Blue Flag uh, Farming Community Scheme is a European Innovation Partnership project. Uh, we receive funding in 2018 um, from the Department of Agriculture, uh, which was through the EIP um, under the Rural Development Programme. Um, I guess the reason, I will cover more in detail, the reason behind it was Duncanon lost his blue flag in 2007, and we had multiple pressures in the area, not just farming. It was, there, was, there was four to five different pressures kind of coming from that catchment alone. And the whole background behind the EIP project was to lower the bacteria levels into two streams that flow onto Duncanon Beach. Okay. We're also joined by uh, Noel Mean, who Noel will be helping with questions uh, later on. Uh, and just to remind you, if you have questions, just use the, the, the Q&A. So, Owen, if you're ready with your presentation, you can share with us and, and fire ahead. Great to be here, as I said to Pat, and um, I suppose the sunny southeast, it's a great day to, to head to the beach. Uh, um, but as I said, I'm going to talk about DIP project and the pressure surrounding um, our local beaches today, um, not just in Wexford, but I'm sure every beach in around uh, the coast of Ireland um, has its own pressures. So just a little bit of a background on Duncanon Beach. Um, Duncanon Beach, it's, it's not like any other beach, I guess, in, in Wexford or Ireland. Um, it forms part of the River Barrow and Knorr SAC, which is situated down in Waterford Harbour Estuary. Um, it was part of a designated bathing water and shellfish water area. Um, any coastal area, and especially Duncanon being based on the Hookhead Peninsula, there was there's a thrive there, I suppose, for tourism and the economy. And it's, it's um, I suppose, being a rural village, a rural seaside village, it's very dependent on its summer I guess, summer residents and the people who come to that beach. As I said, it lost its blue flag in 2007. Um, so we're pushing on there for 15 years without a blue flag. There's four main pressures. Um, two, one of the main pressures is the two streams, and you can see them on the photo here to your left, just there by Duncanon Beach Holiday Park. Two streams to flow onto the beach. That's one of the pressures, and that's the pressure that the EIP project has looked at. The other three pressures, um, Duncanon, every village in Ireland has surface water pipes. Um, so we monitor those pipes um, during the bathing water season um, for any contamination, that type of thing. Um, so that's the second pressure. Our third pressure, 
would be, and many of you know, uh, Wexford has probably four um, villages or coastal villages um, that has no wastewater treatment plant um, available to them. So anything that's generated in, in the waste or septic tank, or not septic tank, but anything that's on a main sewer uh, is actually a sea outfall, basically. So Duncanon, Ballyhack, and Arthurstown, they're the two villages that are upstream in Duncanon. They have no wastewater treatment plant, and I'll discuss this later. The fourth and final pressure, and we're only starting to, well, we are seeing this, the, the fourth and final pressure is upstream uh, along the barrow, the nore and the shore. Um, that's, our, that's our final pressure. So when you think about the pressure that's coming downstream, there's a lot, there's a lot at stake. Um, and there's a lot of um, bacterial issues upstream as well. So investigations prior to the EIP, Wexford Local Authority, the environment section here, um, would have carried out inspections in 2016 and 2017. Um, there were 16 farmyard inspections carried out, um, and we had three direct discharges. Um, but as I mentioned earlier, the domestic wastewater side, so this is these are your septic tanks in rural areas, there was 40 septic tank inspections carried out. 16 of these failed, and six were directly discharging to either the Curragh Moor or the small stream. So as I mentioned, there was limitations to these inspections. They were, they were a top-down approach. But when we think about an inspection, it's only a snapshot in time. Um, so we weren't addressing management, um, the everyday going on kind of in farmyards. So there were the multiple different pressures that we were seeing uh, within the catchment. And this is why we looked at the Duncanon Blue Flag Farming and Community Scheme as an EIP. Um, we applied in 2017 and we were successful to run a three-year project. Uh, we received funding from the Department of Agriculture um, to the tune of 550000 to run this three-year project. And I guess most recently we're wondering if we started in 18, we should be finished in 2021. But we applied for an extension. And we were delighted to receive a 12-month extension from the locally led section in the department. Um, these are just the main aims um, of the project. So it's important to mention that we do have Duncannon Beach, but the EIP project is actually focusing on the two rivers that flow onto Duncannon Beach. So what we were trying to do, what we we're trying to do is restore, protect, and enhance the water quality in those two streams. Um, and try and develop a, an effective model for future catchments. Like this, this project, I suppose, it's um, it's been talked about quite a lot, um, and the approach. Um, Wexford Local Authority are the only local authority involved in, I, I guess, as a, a lead partner in an EAP project of all 50 or over 50 EAPs in Ireland now. Um, third one was to foster that positive relationship between farmers. So. I guess it comes back to the finger pointing, the blame game, that type of thing. And that's what we're trying to do. Just create that, that bit more of a positive relationship that look at we're all the problem, but we can all get together um, and collaborate and be the solution. I won't dwell too much. Our operation group consists of 17 um, people. Um, I guess the main area here will be the advisory service, um, both in Chagas and Jeff Barry Agricultural Consultants. Um, we have our local um, Chagas advisory office down in Johnstone Castle, 
where we have a number of advisors on board as well as the Chagas research team. Um, on the Glambia and Board Bia side, we found the sustainability, there was a drive there from, um, from those areas in relation to um, the environment and going forward, I guess. Um, so it's great to have these on board. And then I guess our local farmer and our IFA rep was uh, James E. Wallace. And uh, he was a great, he's, he is a great addition. Um, he's, he's able to get through to farmers at the start of this project very well. The catchment area itself, it's, it's very similar to any of the agricultural catchments program. It's about 1,400 hectares in size, so just a little under 3,500 acres. You can see on the map here, there's the Curragmore 10, uh, which predominantly takes up approximately 15 kilometers of water course. And then we have the small stream as well, um, just below, kind of flown midway along to the along Duncannon Beach. There's 41 eligible farmers in that area, um, predominantly free draining soils. There are pockets of more poor draining, heavier soils. And we'll mention that Ramsgrange Village, um, it's in the northwest of the catchment as well. Um, and this is another pressure that the Curragmore sees um, on a daily basis. So just getting in on the results-based reward scheme, most EIP projects offer a results-based reward. Uh, ours is no different. We work on the basis of pollution potential zones um, and our payment is based on risk. So the farmer might have a number of PPZs on a farmyard or on the land, and then we base it on results then. And this is gain, this is how we acknowledge at the end of the year their payment by carrying out a, a survey. Um, and we give that farmer a, a red, a yellow, or a green. And it does come back to management as well. So this is just, again, a lot of EIP projects have scorecards, and ours is no different. Um, we keep it simple, um, I guess, keeping it simple to the farmer, getting that message across. Um, the reason why they're falling into a red, a yellow, or a green, and then the recommendation. So you can see this very quickly. This farmer, um, he has farmyard manure storage, but there was no effluent channel in front of the sheds. So just basically was an effluent channel to be constructed um, outside, um, outside of the shed. So you can see condition and assessment um, and management assessment were two of the key drivers between a farmer's payment. And that dropped them into an overall farm PPZ status then. So this farmer here would be falling into a red, but if he was to construct that effluent channel, he'd get up to a yellow. So today, our application period began in May, 2019. We met all the farmers individually. Um, and, and today we have 35 farmers on board. It's, it's, a, it's a catchment that has, um, a drive for dry stock. Um, we've had a lot of calf to beef um, farmers down there, um, a number of sheep farmers. And I suppose on the dairy side, then we've, we've four dairy farmers on board and eight tillage. That, them 35 farmers uh, represent just over 975 hectares. The most interesting thing during the application period that we saw was 70% of these farmers were in gloss so there was that level of environmental awareness. There wasn't a level of, I guess, a drive maybe to do a little bit more for the environment. 
So just to dwell on our water protection improvement works, um, as I mentioned on our PPZ survey, we our measures, um, we stayed outside the farmyard. And this was to do with, I suppose, the nitrates directive um, compliance within the farmyards. So a lot of our measures were just outside the farmyard or on the land. Um, today, we're, we're very happy with how we started. We started very simply um, by fencing all our water courses, our drinking points. We had a, we had a large number of drinking points, cattle access points um, around the catchment, approximately 13, 14 drinking points. Um, in 2019, we moved a lot of water trucks in excess of the 20 meter buffer zone. And these are all, these are all regulations now for um, under the new NAP for derogation farmers. So they were happy to do this work and see how they got on. Soil sampling and NMP, as I said, 70% of the farmers were in gloss, but there were a number of farmers without an NMP, without knowing where they were falling in regulation to PK limestats. And this is something we looked at and we granted um, this work to be done. So we soil sampled for the farmers and we gave them a nutrient management plan. Um, buffer zones, we hold a buffer zone um, all year round for organic manure application of 10 meters. Um, so we don't slot into that 10 meter in the shoulders of the year. We don't hold a five meter buffer. So a lot of the farmers adhere to the 10 meter buffer. Sediment traps, we've we, we can look at one of them now in the, in the next slide. We've installed a number of sediment traps um, for both roadways um, just outside farmyards and, and maybe grey water areas. And we also looked at farm roadways and I guess, I suppose, restructuring farm roads um, in the area. We have a number of farmers using less. We, we, do, we, don't, uh, we don't grant aid um, for less, but we do always advise um, farmers to use low emission slurry spreading um the riparian zones then is another one this just down the bottom right corner our one of our um farmers had sown this prior to this and this gave us the idea of well we can we can look at this as well we can and uh, i'll discuss this in a little while as well so that was one of our actions where we were able to sow widow and alder hedgerow planting was another action available to farmers um, and we planted about 1.2 kilometers of arable grass margins and a lot of these measures were the right measure in the right place um, and i guess this came back to the development of the, the pip maps by the epa there was no real fine line um, and there still is no fine line of what the ip project done um, once once i built up that relationship with farmers um, everything was discussed um, our biggest our biggest, um, I suppose, win to date on the no fine line, I suppose, measures were our, is our text alert system. So we set up a text alert system with all the farmers to acknowledge them of heavy rainfall um, coming in the next 48 to 72 hours. So farmers were able to plan that. Um, but everything, everything was discussed. We had storage requirements, where storage going in the next maybe three, four years, um, where they are at the moment, how they can actually improve their storage. Um, we discussed water quality. A lot of farmers come to me every day, like, you know, and say, look at how's the stream down below here? How's the stream on the out farm? Um, reseeding is a big thing. Um, farmyard design, 
um, was a major, um, I suppose, talk on the farm when we were discussing the PPZ survey, hedgerow options, species, that type of thing. And I guess most recently we've we've had an uptake of organic farmers in the area, but I guess multi-species wards is a grown option down down in Duncannon. Um, we probably have about in the region of 150 acres planted now of multi-species swords and that number is growing and we also discuss native woodland planting uh, in poorer areas we can't as i said it's the Duncanon blue flag farming and community scheme um, community engagement plays a big role here um, down Duncan beach we have three local primary schools within the catchment uh, with one large secondary school as well so this is where we find engagement um, great we find it very thorough as well um, just getting students out onto you can see in the picture there we picked 21 bags of litter off Duncanon and Valley Straw Beach there in the space of two to three hours um, so that's kind of where you get students more aware of their local water environment and what they can do to help we engage with uh, both the tidy towns groups and the village renewal in the area every year we carry out um, uh, we engage with Karen Dubsky uh, with Coastwatch and we bring a number of students, tidy town groups, um, down to the beach to carry out their Coastwatch survey. Um, delighted to say today that we've been successful in our um, Law Pros uh, Community Water Development Fund for 2022. We've received a grant funding there to carry out a two day training course with anybody in the area, whether you're a student, whether you're a farmer, um, you could be a local councillor. Um, so we're looking forward to carrying out that in, in June uh, and we'll have our local ecologist um, on board. And we can't forget LawPro and IFI. They, Fran Igo from LawPro and Declan Culler from IFI um, recently visited uh, Duncanna National School um, to carry out kind of, I suppose, a little field trip to a water a local water course um so it's a, it's a fun way of getting the younger kids involved um like they're keen to learn at that age as well um and we do we, we'd be always engaging with the catchments unit in the epa through pip maps uh, liaison with kind of developments in the in the ip pro project picture on the right hand side um this was a our recent measure that we carried out, as, as I said before, the riparian um, native, I suppose, native um, streamside planting. Um, we got in touch with Seal Rescue Ireland. They're a very small um, uh, organization or a charity based in uh, North Wexford up in Core Town. And I met with a number of the volunteers um, during the day and God, they're, they're, they're a very keen charity to see this kind of um, project going on and uh, it was great to get them down and we grew we kind of liaised with rams range tidy towns and seed rescue ireland and we planted just over 500 um, trees uh, between the two groups um, and seed rescue ireland they see the benefit um, when it comes to tree planting along stream sides um, we can't forget the national inspection plan so as I said, Wexford Local Authority carry out a number of safety tank inspections every year. Um, under the National Inspection Plan then, at the start of the year, we plan a number of safety tank inspections uh, in the area.
to date, uh, we've carried out just over 120 inspections in the catchment. And so it's just a little of probably about 60% of houses. Um, and it was a main, it was kind of a main driver as well to focus on not just farm surveys, but let's look at the septic tanks as well and see where they are. So our stream water quality, these are, that's just a map of the, the catchment again. You can see there are our 12 monitoring sites um, throughout the year. We look at a number of parameters between four and six times a year. We do take stormwater samples as well, um, but there are set uh, monitoring points um, throughout the year. We do, we do take samples outside those areas as well. Um, our main our main focus is um, E. coli and enterococci just for the bathing water status, I guess, and the parameters that surround a lot of beach beach closures during the year. Um, I guess to move on, as I said before, our our focus was the two streams on Duncannon Beach are flown onto Duncannon Beach. Um, since the project has started, and I guess let's not let's not let the heads drop. Um, our bed and water status has actually gone the other way. Bed and water statuses are on, on an average of three years. Um, so this start kind of turning the heads of, right, okay, I think we fixed the issue of the two streams flowing onto the Canada Beach. Where are the other pressures? Um, we've seen a major advancement in the quality, uh, the bacterial quality of the catchment um, in the last probably 12 months. Um, but I guess a good way to focus on how the long, the long term um, assessment is looking is by ecology. Um, we employ, or we, I suppose we get in Aquins Limited, Dr. Ian Robert Bars comes down every year to us um, to carry out an assessment um, at six different sites. And you can see there our Q values are improving. Um, there are a number of sites that are kind of staying the same, but we know there are maybe issues there with a septic tank maybe or a discharge point or something like that. Um, but overall, it's a good way to look at the long-term um, view of the water quality within the catchment. Just moving on, as I said, uh, Duncanon, Ballyhack and Arthurstown don't have any water treatment facility to date, but um, Irish Water, in conjunction with Wexford County Council, um, have started construction and started construction last year um, on a new state-of-the-art wastewater treatment plant based in Arterstown. Uh, this is a 12.5 million euro investment and it will serve the village of Ballyhack, Arterstown and Duncanon. In 2020, this was, uh, it was announced by Irish Water that there was a major delay um, going to be seen in the development or the construction of it but I think it was soon realized that the work that the EIP project was doing the data that we had on file for water quality the importance of water harbor estuary being a PAA being an SAC and SPA I think it was soon realized that right this needs to be jumped up as a priority um, and we were absolutely delighted to see him uh, hit the ground uh, a couple of months ago. So SISC are the contractors that are awarded. That. That's just an overview. That's probably in the last week or two. That, that uh, wastewater treatment plant will be up and running by October this year. 
it's hoped. So there's there's great advancement there. So second last slide, I think. So the um, I suppose the expected returns, the results, and the performance. We are seeing a reduction in bacteria pollution with engagement through with farmers, uh, with engagement with houses, with engagement with community groups. Um, the improvement in ecological quality is there. We have the data. Uh, our Q values are improving every year. Um, the IP project was all about innovation. Uh, it wasn't just about to fulfill the nitrates directive. It was all about going above the nitrates directive. And that's what our farmers have done. They've complied. They've gone above compliance. They're putting in sediment traps. They're slowing their, um, they're slowing their flows, I suppose, in, in many of our areas that we see runoff. Um, we've seen a lot of efficiencies. As I mentioned, a lot of farmers uh, looking at less technology now. Uh, um, on catchment farms, we see a lot more efficiencies in relation to reseeding, uh, creating that better return on farmers. Um, and in relation then to the reduction in septic tank failures, we are, we're getting there. It's going to take another maybe four or five years to look at all septic tanks in the area. Um, as I said, there's, there's, there's 220 houses there. Um, and this really all pulls back to those people living in the Duncanon, Ballyhack, Ramsgrange, um, and Arthurstown area to just gain a little bit of local ownership, a little bit of responsibility, and just appreciate um, their local environment um, that bit more. And this can be all done. This is, um, it's just creating awareness programs. It's just about educating, not just the farmers, it's about educating um, schools. It's about driving that message home from a primary school or a secondary school to their parents to say, how's our septic tank looking? Um, the learnings to date, um, I guess one of the key learnings is the role of the project manager. Um, I guess it's something for every local authority maybe to look at the role of an agricultural scientist uh, within a catchment. Um, it's that full-time relationship uh, between the farmer, between the community group, between that house, um, that was the big push, I suppose. Um, I think the foundation of the AP project has been back to the advisors. Um, without that advisor to farmer relationship, I don't think we would have got the number of farmers um, on board. So the buy-in through the advisor was key. Um, when it comes to bacteria levels, uh, reducing bacteria levels, I think management is key. That's one thing we've learned. Um, management of livestock manures, um, management of when am I going to spread my slurry? When am I going to spread my dung? Where am I going to store my dung during the, during the open season, I guess? Um, but then it comes back to the management of your wastewater treatment plant. Um, the, moving on to the existing pressures, the, exist, the pressures that are, we're always going to have pressures. We're all go, always going to have losses uh, within the catchment. And I think it's probably a window opener for a lot of local authorities upstream of Duncan to, to look at maybe measures that can be put in place um, by farmers. And this comes back to your advisor, your asset program, um, the data being collated by LawPro, our WFD monitor. So it's about 
it's about kind of getting the right measure in the right place upstream as well. And I think we've developed an effective model that we don't need to we don't need to do big things um, to change water quality. Collaboration as a community, and when, when I say collaboration, and I've said this umpteen times here now, that it's it's about collaboration, it's about educating, it's about creating awareness, um, not just within a farming community, but the wider community. It's about those people getting on with a solution rather than the finger pointing um, as a community, I guess, to fix the problem. Um, the last question then is, what does the future hold for, the, I guess, the catchment of Duncannon? Um, it is a big question to be asked. Um, there's been a lot of money spent down here. Um, there's been a lot of work done down here. We've had a lot of investment, big investment, um, by farmers and by houses. Um, your typical, whether it's a slatted tank, um, you could be looking at forty to fifty thousand. Whether it's a septic tank, it's twelve, thirteen, fourteen thousand. So we've had a lot of money, but the question really dwells is the future. And there are a few things we're looking at in relation to maybe setting up a Duncanon Blue Flag Committee, um, maintain those text alert systems, um, and this comes back to maybe getting a number of farmers, getting a tidy towns group person on board, and just maybe meeting twice three times a year um but i guess it'll come back to the local authority um to i suppose continue to collaborate uh, with this type of catchment so that's it thanks very much and if there's any questions i'd be happy to answer thanks very much that was that was great um I suppose, uh, 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 just a reminder, people, if you could submit your, your questions on the on the questions and answers, and there's a number of questions coming in there. Uh, I suppose the one message that you're that I'm kind of taking from your your presentation is that it's a combination of the implementation and the follow up on regulation, and then in, engaging with the community, uh, both as important as the other in terms of of the way forward for for water quality. In, a, in this context, and I think there's a lot of lessons for, for every other context around the country. Yeah, correct, Pat. Um, I suppose when the EIP project comes back or whether it's in place now, everything comes back to regulation. Um, whether you're a farmer or whether you're a house, um, there's regulations there in place, but um, implementing uh, those regulations going forward uh, will be the main focus. Okay, uh, there's a, a few questions coming in, in in relation to the the kind of supports that were there for the the kind of capital as a whole. You talked, I suppose, about the the ongoing pay payment to farmers, but the, the support that was there for for uh, capital for farmers and maybe for others in the community in relation to septic tanks. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. Actually, during the that slide there, all right, we discussed about the different measures that were in place. Um, how our EIP project worked was we we were able to to award or do a results-based reward payment um, and that was an annual payment so that's where that farmer would have sat so whether it was zero to four thousand euros but on the capital works on the, the water protection improvement works the EIP set aside um, a significant amount of funding 
um, for measures, whether it was new water shocks, fencing. So how we done this was by uh, following the TAMs, the reference costs, we were able to distinguish how much that farmer was able to draw down. And it worked out at around 50% of the costs um, for capital, so for material. But we paid that farmer um, for 100% of his time. So okay. his own labor was, he was fully paid and that was based back on the reference costs. Um, your own machinery costs, they were at 50% as well. Um, but there was a number of measures there, like for a farmer maybe to drop a nutrient management plan, we were able to adopt a 70% because we saw the importance of this. So we were able to give a 70% grant to the cost of that. Um, even TAMS applications, some farmers give in TAMS applications and we were able to grant 70% back to the farmer on that. The septic okay. tank side of things, um, there is a grant out there for um, septic tanks. Um, some septic tanks that were registered in 2013, um, they are eligible for a 5,000 euro grant to upgrade their system. Um, but the most important thing is that they have to be registered in 2013 and maybe look at if things start moving forward that they might drop this condition and move, move the, that 2013 reference year forward. Um, and the means testing is also, that's been done away with, um, so incomes don't come into it. Okay, well, that's, that's, that's pretty clear. Uh, in terms of the uh, testing, uh, uh, you, you showed the, the water, or sorry, the, yeah, the, the Q values at various points. Was there the analysis done at, at points of the river in relation to the, the fecal contamination or the, 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 the loading? of uh, uh, bacteria? So we monitored for E. coli and Enterococci, and I, I think maybe where you're going with this question was, was there any zero typing? Um, well, that's, that's the next, the, yeah, the next question, yeah. Was it human, was it human or, or was it animal? Um, we didn't, we're actually looking into this. Um, we've, we've, during a training course there during the week, um, we've, just acknowledge that there is a person in UCD um, that can carry out this, but it is, it's very much on the books. Um, but I think the message that, um, where the communication come from, she said 98% of the contamination is actually animal, 2% was human. Um, but it does, they can, I think they can actually zero type and can pinpoint it back to whether it's a bird or a bovine that type of thing. So it is, it's an interesting development and uh, we are looking into it. Okay. Noel, we've got a few questions starting to come in there. So Owen, well done uh, on, on the project. Um, it's it's a great example of, of collaboration and working together. So well done on that. And I suppose um, maybe a question that came in there, just how did farmers uh, react to the results-based payment type structure that you had? It was a new, obviously a new enough innovation and, uh, you know, in around the yards and, and, and the payment structure. How did they how did they react to it? Were they positive towards it or did they find it difficult? Or? I think a lot of farmers saw it as a, a positive way forward. Uh, um, you know, I suppose it wasn't just about because you're a large dairy farm that you were hit, hitting that. Hi, Mark. We, we had a number of farmers that maybe hit the 4,000 euros. Um, but I think there was a lot of, there was, there was a good bit of positivity about 
the, the annual payment um, and I think it was about getting the message across um, in relation to look at if, if we can get this watercourse fence like we will see an increase of a thousand euros uh, in the annual payment like you know so I think it was I think based on a lot of the other EAP projects it, it's a generous payment um, for what was out there um, for what works needed to be done but a lot of farmers were certainly delighted with the increase in the payment you know that you weren't stuck on maybe two thousand euros that you could get up to that three thousand or four thousand euros okay good and i suppose just another question there is around um you know you, you give a, an indication of what farmers had joined the program um and the question i often get asked in, in the asset program is is age an influence or determination of who who uh, who's more likely to join it. Are older farmers more likely than younger farmers? And uh, I'd just be interested in, in your thoughts on, on what was the kind of the, the barriers maybe to farmers taking up the the opportunity to join the program. Yeah, age didn't really come into it. Um, no, no, it was. Um, I went to college with some of the farmers down there, so I'm. I'm definitely I won't say I'm, I'm a young. <laughs> I'm young, but I'm there thereabouts. But um, we do. We had a number of farmers in Young Farmer Scheme come into it, um, and that stretched right up to even one of our farmers is retiring this year. Like you know, so it wasn't an influence, but it was. It was really about getting the that simple message across to them, like you know, of how it works, um, regardless of age. But yeah, we had a number of young farmers um, yeah. that drove on with it. Good. And, and um, there's just a, a kind of more technical question here in um, I, the, the question is that in parts of Wexford, there's, there's a project going on where septic tanks, the um, per percolation area are reed water filter beds and apparently they, they are working quite well. And the question is, are, is there discussions on this to expand that out or, or what's the findings on it or do you know anything about it? Say that again, Noel, sorry. So is there's a filtration, a, is it? Yeah, these reed water filtration beds. So as opposed to your, your typical um, um, soil-based uh, polishing filter, it's, it's a water, reed water-based polishing filter. I I will say I'm not, I wouldn't be um, straight into the septic tank inspections. Um, what I probably would say about them type of um, wetland systems, um, the soil type, has, that's the main driver between... Um, the wetland system as a secondary treatment system. Um, if you're not on the right soil type, uh, it's not going to work. Okay, and I'll just give another one there. Um, in a, in a in one around uh, uptake of buffer zones, and um, you know, how did you find the uptake in that, and how did you encourage farmers to take up? Like as you, as you said, you, you had the it wasn't the five, it was the ten meter. Uh, you know, all year round. And the question is, uh, how did you encourage farmers to take that on? Because uh, another project is, 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 is not having as much success maybe as yourselves and just wondering around that. It, it, it probably came back to the, the PPZ survey, um, probably farmers adhering to it more so than anything. Um, I think the buffer zones, when we talk about arable grass margins, the first farmer I went to um, we discussed the right measure in the right place and the first place he pointed it was the same place I was thinking of and he went and sold a four meter arable grass margin. I didn't want the whole way along that field. He planted 550 meters 
but he went and done it. Um, so it was a big positive. In relation to the five and ten meter, um, I, I never really had any problems with farmers. Um, they'll adhere to it all year round. Um, there probably are a number of farmers that will say to you, ah, look, probably five meters is enough there, is it? But we never had any major issue. Um, you know, I think probably it came back to the annual payment and that reward. It wasn't yeah. um, It wasn't going to not have a knock-on effect, but like if we showed the results of maybe, you know, look at staying back to five meters, like, you know, at that extra, meter, that extra five meters, that was probably um, the biggest discussion. Um, but when farmers realized not what five meters was, but what it meant to the local water environment, uh, then they kind of uh, they settled on the 10 hours. And of course, he had, he had very frequent water monitoring as well, so you could probably link the two together very, very closely. Yeah, most of our water monitoring points, uh, between them, there was probably only three farmers, four farmers between each monitoring point. So it was good to share the water quality results as a group more so than anything, because that's how you get the message across. That's how you get the discussion going as well. Noel, there's a, a few questions coming in there in relation to the uh, the, the physical measures, the, the sediment traps, etc., that you, you put in place. What has been the experience with those? You're, you're kind of early adopters in, 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 in relation to those type of measures. And what kind of experience have you had with, I suppose, the impact of them and the ongoing maintenance of them? It's early days, Pat. Um, yeah. Most of them, some of them were in 2019. There was some of them put in in 2020, but then there were some farmers that when we saw the nap changes um, come in, then they, were, then they had to do them then. Um, but it is early days, but from monitoring two of them, which one is off a farmyard, to a laneway um, we are finding quite an amount of fine sediment um, in these and to the three to four inches um, per year um, that's what we're looking at um, the, the, there's another monitoring sediment trap that we look at um, probably on a, every fortnight maybe every three weeks and again it's the exact same story it's only serving 350 meters of roadway um, and we are looking at the three inches 75 mil of fine sediment um i think the thing with sediment traps is to try and get i suppose the right size sediment trap that will serve it uh, and that's what we really learned uh, if it's too small it's not going to work and a farmer doesn't want to be down there every three four months clean sediment out so i think the longer and narrow you have it the better uh, it's not a big area most of our sediment traps are they're all under 12 metres by 5 metres. Um, and we do plant trees on the banks of them as well to just to create that kind of more uh, future-proof, and I suppose, of these. Uh, looking at, um, uh, or do you look at groundwater and is there any um, uh, uh, issues for the, uh, um, the, the, the water abstraction for the, the, the village of Duncanon, or is that within, uh, is that water abstracted within the area? The, the current drinking water um, is taken from Taylorstown, so, so it's prob probably about eight kilometres away. It's okay. a surface water intake. Um, but we, we have monitored groundwater wells in the area. Um, we'd have very little bacterial um, influences there. Um, 
we would see nitrates um, as an issue, but um, only on a very random basis. We haven't taken a whole lot of groundwater samples uh, yet. We only usually take two a year anyway um, of different catchments or different areas around the catchment. Okay. Um, maybe I jump in there, Pat, as one. So um, I suppose I, I, my ears pricked up when, when you when you mentioned the the text alert system that you had, and, and maybe would you just maybe explain a little bit more on, on how that was set up and and um, how you how you run it. Yes, yeah, so the text alert system um, it occurs on both a text message delivery um, from my own phone. That is, so it actually comes the responsibility comes back to me. Um, so I'm constantly looking at two weather apps there, AccuWeather and uh, WindGuru is the other one. We use WindGuru because uh, WindGuru is an app that's used on a lot of windsurfing areas and we do have kite surfing down there. So that's why it's quite accurate. Um, but again, the responsibility comes back to me and that message is sent out, um, has to be sent out obvious enough within three days before heavy rainfall. That's, that's the minimum timeline we have. Um, and we also get them out through the WhatsApp group. So as I said, going forward, the future of that text alert system, hopefully um, we can get somebody to take over that, like, you know, continue, because it is an important, it, plays, uh, it's a, it is a major point, like, you know, um, especially when it comes to the shoulders of the year um, for slurry spreading. Um, but it does come back to, the right amount in the right place at the right time for slurry spreading um, and trying to get farmers to focus more of their application of slurry on on the the front end of the year, I suppose. Yeah, and, and like I suppose the, the follow-on question there is, you know, that we we'll say the regulations say 48 hours of within 48 hours of heavy rainfall forecast. Um, which obviously you're given an extra 24 on top of that. Uh, so you know, and then with 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 the the five or the 10 meter and obviously you're doing your regular water quality sampling as well so can you see on the ground and obviously the, the results that you have there and maybe you know the answer to the question but can you see on the ground how, how this is the, the the three or four little bits together uh, are actually having a positive impact on water quality yeah yeah we do and we only saw recently there uh we sampled monday and we had heavy showers there was a text message sent out the Friday beforehand um, about rainfall events. It's, it wasn't a heavy rainfall event, but still in all, I saw an improvement on the day sampling. Um, that it was just that water was clear. Um, we had our 10 meter buffer in place as well. So um, the measure is, that measure is only kind of, I suppose, 12 to 18 months um, up and running. So probably at the back end of this year that we will start to see um, a bigger improvement as well, like in the bacterial, another improvement, I guess. Yeah, that's good. Uh, just a question there, is there any uh, testing being done for, for pesticides in, in uh, surface or groundwater, or is that something you've, you've uh, done? It's usually only done in for drinking water anyway. Yeah, the DIP project doesn't, um, we don't monitor for pesticides. Um, the local authority water services here, um, they do carry out a number of air um, monitoring points around the county. All right. Yeah, there's a couple of questions coming in about your, and I know this is going to be difficult uh, to, to answer, about the uh, current status of the, the, the um, uh, bathing water and 
where you're going with, with, with that and, and what your, your vision, I suppose, for the, for the next number of years are to try and get that from a, where it is now back up to a, a blue flag. Yeah, my vision is probably a lot different than others. Um, <laughs> but I, I guess there's a few things to remember here, right? As I said at the start, the AP project was focusing on the two streams that flowed onto Duncannon Beach. Duncannon Beach um, is part of Waterford Harbour Estuary. Um, so I guess in hindsight, what we're looking at is we're looking at several different local authorities um, to maybe look at approaching water quality maybe in the future as an EIP project along the estuaries um, of the Shore, the Nore and the Barrow. That would be my vision, I suppose, going forward in the next five years. But even just getting word out and to these local authorities, sharing our experience um, with the environment sections in these local authorities, I think that's probably a good start um, to this. But it has, look at, um, I won't say heads have dropped since we heard that 2021 was gone to sufficient again. As I said, these things, bathing water quality is a three-year average. Um, and this is what Antashka sets it at. But we have to remember Duncanon Beach is not like Cairn Beach or St. Helens or Curraclough. Um, it's, it's part of an estuary. So you have multiple pressures. You have, you have, you have tidal influences there as well. Um, so I won't say it's going to be difficult, but I think it's going to be work in progress over the next couple of years um, to try and jump back up to good and up to excellent. Monday's Monday sample was very excellent. There was um, zero levels of bacterial um, in E. coli and enterococci um, found in the first sample. So let's let's hope, let's keep the fingers crossed that that's the way it goes. A question there coming in about the the potential impact of the bringing together of people in this project on other community initiatives, and and and, and even other uh, initiatives with the, the local authorities. Has there been, a, I suppose, a a dividend in that area? Um, there has. Um, even communicating between the tidy towns groups, um, we've Ramsgrange tidy towns, we've done Cannon Village renewal, and we have. Of kind of tidy towns, bringing together those groups um, as, as a whole, as even with a group of farmers, uh, we found that just that communication, that collaboration um, has made a difference, you know, because at the end of the day, they'll start talking in the group fairly fast. But what we're trying to do is we're trying to cut out the I suppose the finger pointing more so than anything uh, with each other. But we have, like, even starting with the local schools, that type of thing, it's, it's just about getting the message across. Um, maybe I'll jump in there. There's just a question, uh, I suppose, maybe looking for your opinion, Owen, on, on you're probably well aware of the current situation with regards to cost of fertilizer and inflation and all that. And, and the question is, you know, will farmers go back to the old ways um, of, of a spreading and impacting on water quality and runoff, etc. Um, you know, which maybe undo. So that's that's the that's I suppose looking for your opinion or your thoughts on on how farmers react to the current increase in fertilizer prices and and inflation and so on, and, and will there be a slip back to the old ways? Um, the farmers' reaction that's not good. 
um, that's for sure. Um, paying over a thousand euros a ton now for urea, um, but it does create a sense of awareness of the value of what sits on their farm, um, the value of that slurry, um, whether it's 50 euro per thousand gallons, um, whether it's 16, 17 euros um, per ton of farmyard manure. Um, will farmers go back to their old way? I don't think so. I think farmers are, especially in the EIP catchment, they are trying to cut down on fertilizer use. Um, and it's easily done. And like what we're trying to get across and the advisors are trying to get across in the catchment is like even by reseeding, even by liming, um, uh, Clover Incorporation, those type of messages. Uh, there is, farmers are becoming more aware that they can still grow more grass. They can still get that crop by just looking after their soil. And there's a good message going out, like, you know, look after the soil and it'll look after you. But I don't think farmers are, it's my own opinion. I don't think farmers are going to go back to the old way. Um, but they're going to be a lot more careful um, with fertilizer use. Um, they're adopting to new technologies uh, on like, you know, continuously through GPS, through, um, I suppose, new new uh, fertilizer spreaders. Um, they're also looking at their, I suppose, their nutrient efficiency as well. Um, each year, like, you know, what they're able to get, what's their return um, on a dry matter uh, basis as well, of, compared to how much chemical fertilizer they're putting out. But we've had a lot of farmers um, looking over the last number of months, like you know, if they're holding, they're not holding back on slurry applications, but they're thinking carefully of where they're putting it, and that comes back to the crucial element of the measure of the NMP maps that's provided to them. Yeah, I think it's kind of a follow-on question to that, like is around um, the nitrate losses in in the catchment. I, I don't know what the levels are on it. You're, you you kind of focused on the um, on the E. coli and, and the and the pathogens, uh, but is that a, is that a problem in the estuary? And and how, is there an appetite you think among farmers to maybe tackle that as well? We do. Uh, we don't just monitor for uh, E. coli, enterococci, and the bacterial side. We measure for ammonia, artophosphates, nitrates, BOD, conductivity, um, pH, temperature. There's a range of parameters there. We do, um, and. Nitrates is an issue. We are on free draining soils. Uh, it's an issue for the whole southeast. Um, you can draw the pen between Dublin and Cork, and it still is a major issue. Um, as for is it an issue for a Baden water status? It's not. It's it's it's. Um, we have to remember that Baden water focuses on E. coli and enterococci level. At the end of the day, that's what's going to close your beach. That's what's going to determine. Um, whether you get your blue flag back in three or four years, but it comes back to um, the previous question. All right, like you know, um, nitrates is an issue in the catchment. Um, that message is getting across to farmers that look at we're not going the right road. Uh, it might take us five or ten years, maybe maybe less, to lower our nitrates. Uh, we have seen some sampling points um, reducing. Um, in our three levels um, through the through the monitoring, like you know, by 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 monitoring six times a year. So we're not aware that we don't. Uh, one thing we don't um, look at is how much we don't ask farmers for records or anything like that, like you know. But 
we do put a careful emphasis on nutrient chemical nitrogen use um, throughout the year um, and going forward then as well if farmers are forward buying or anything like that okay hey, i think we're we're, we're uh time is 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 catching up on us uh listen i'd like to to take the, the opportunity to to thank owen uh for a, a great presentation i think a, a lot of people appreciate what he's saying and i think it's it gives us a lot of food for thought uh in terms of how we approach these and similar issues right right around the the, the the country and i think the learning from from your eip is, is is really important so thanks very much for for coming on and talking to us today and i suppose the the ad for anybody who is looking for somewhere nice to go and uh, uh up over the next couple of weekends if the if the weather is fine it's a wonderful place to go some great walks some great seafood down there uh i've certainly enjoyed a number of visits down there in the last in the last short while uh, a, a lovely place so th thanks very much owen Thanks very much, Pat. And yeah, Wexford has some great beaches. So do get to visit in during the summer. So uh, then just going on to, to uh, next week. Uh, next week, we will be joined by Dr. Fiona McGovern, Dr. Uh, Noreen McHugh and, and Jonathan Heron. And their talk is on measuring methane uh, in Irish sheep systems. What's their carbon hoofprint? And I suppose... Uh, we do have a, a, a huge focus on uh, ruminants when it comes to our greenhouse gas emissions. A lot of talk in terms of dairy and beef systems, but there's been a lot less talk over the, the, the years about the impact of our sheep systems and what we can do to, to mitigate those. So it's a, a, an interesting topic. Uh, so with that, I'll uh, just thank our, our production team of Andy Boland and, and Yvonne Marr, and we'll see you again next week. Uh, enjoy your weekend. Thanks very much. You've been listening to the podcast version of the Chagisk Signpost series, the weekly webinar that promotes and examines sustainability in Irish farming. Don't forget to join us live every Friday morning for our latest webinar. For more, visit chagisk.ie. And you can also rate, review and subscribe to the Signpost series on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm Mark Gibson and thanks for listening.